0: Hello, Uh, my name is Trent Reinsmith. I am the host of the Come On Now MMA podcast. It is Monday, June 15th. And the first thing I want to talk about is the fights that went down on Saturday. So it was not the best card. It was not the deepest card. And there was a bunch of fighters on the card who were under... Uh, Let's say different circumstances. They would have been fighting for their their contracts for their for their UFC careers Some of those fighters lost obviously some of them won the UFC hasn't released uh, Anyone as of yet, but I suspect that they will do so in the coming days I don't know how long it will take Um, I don't think it'll be I don't. I don't think they they're in any hurry, but uh, I suspect some some of the folks who lost on uh, on Saturday in Vegas are are no longer going to be with the UFC after after those setbacks, and I think that's a pretty shitty thing to do. I think it's wrong-headed. I think it's uh, it 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 doesn't send the right message. Um, judging by these fight cards and and the fighters who are competing on them they, uh, the UFC was really hurting for, uh, for fighters who were going to, going to be available. And it, and so these, these folks accepted fights on one on short notice 2 I'm going to guess most of them didn't have a training camp. Um, three, even if they did have a training camp, there's a good chance their gyms weren't open and they were just trying to, uh, Put something together with gum and and paper clips, just trying to MacGyver some kind of uh, fight camp, and uh, and now they lose, and the odds are good that they're going to be released. So um, that I don't that doesn't sit well with me. These these folks, I think, were doing the. Yes, they got paid, but if you look at the pay from this this fight card that happened on Saturday, that pay um, was atrocious. N- the the total f- payout didn't didn't even didn't even break i think 800,000 and i think the highest pay was in just over 100,000 and that was for the win in the main event so uh, atrocious pay overall for for everyone who competed on the card and uh yeah i don't think anybody should be released i think you uh i think they should get uh, in fact i think they should have got paid more and held on to the fight, held on to their contracts, because no one really like like Dana White said, no one needed to fight, no one had to fight. These folks wanted to fight probably because they were going to get paid, and now there's a chance they're going to get released when they they more or less did the UFC a solid by competing under less than ideal conditions. So I say, let them keep their contracts. Um, let them uh, fight again and if they get a full camp in an open gym and get to cut weight properly and get to do everything and, and it's not short notice then then okay but now in this situation, no no one should lose their their job um, while while the pandemic is still going on. just a shitty thing to that would hap- could happen and uh, I hope. The UFC doesn't do that, but I have little faith in uh, the UFC doing the right thing. Today is one of those uh, rare days where I'm going to agree with Dana White. And what I'm going to agree with Dana White on is he doesn't want to hold events with limited crowds in attendance. In other words, he doesn't want to hold events where uh, social distancing is going to be used for for the seating which i agree um for one you won't be able to uh, you won't get a full gate for those fight cards and if you can't get a full gate uh, and and it's going to cost you more money to for security and making sure the seating is set up correctly and blocking off entrances and exits so everybody can go only can go into and out of limited um, exits. You have to set uh, things things up for the lines, for the restrooms, for the concessions, for the merchandise. Um, just it's just going to be a lot of headaches that no one really needs for very little payoff. I think when you consider with full. Full crowds. The UFC is only getting twelve percent of its revenue from um, gate. So once you figure in all the other expenses for this, you're probably ending up losing money. So why not keep it at the apex, and um, you know you can run it there with at, at at no real cost because you own the arena. Everything's there. There's not transportation charges. Uh, you're not moving a whole lot of stuff. So keep it at the apex until you can uh, fully fully get a uh, crowds back into the mix. Um, that way your, your costs are reduced. And you can keep the overhead as low as possible at a time when you wouldn't be you know you're not making a gate anyway. So why hold the events anywhere else until then? It, it, it's silly to think that. Um, I mean, if California opens up, if Texas opens up, and these are, these are all areas that, you know, say they, they open up for, for sporting events, but you can't have a crowd, keep it at the apex. It just makes sense. It makes fiscal sense. Um, it makes sense for the fighters because the PI is there. And it makes sense because you know you can keep things under control there, and keep everybody as healthy as possible. So just keep it at the apex until then. One thing I found kind of funny though, while the, while White was saying this, which um, is that he also said um, that well he was asked that if they would consider New Zealand because New Zealand has their cases down to. To zero in active cases of COVID 19, which has allowed them to open things back up. And that includes sporting events with full crowds. Um, they had some professional rugby games, full crowds. And White was asked if he would consider uh, events in New Zealand, which I think if it was me, I would consider that. But I would st- still be worried. Um, transportation wise and I don't know what New Zealand's rules are right now either with uh, bringing people in and out of the country I know that they they were pretty strict previously so I'm gonna imagine that they are just as strict now and well that's how they got the co- the active ca- cases down to zero was through this strict uh, through strict mandates they weren't playing around they didn't give you options in New Zealand. And now, they're uh, they're back to more or less normal over there, while we are still in uh, in, in terrible shape. Uh, even though it's not getting the coverage that it, it should, uh, um, we're still not doing so hot here in America. But so if if there was not a long term um, isolation upon arrival in New Zealand, which I'm going to imagine there is. Uh, then i would I would one hundred percent consider holding events there, but if there's mandates in and out, that becomes a uh, uh an issue with money and I also don't know if I'd want to spend twenty hours on a plane um at that this time i mean on the in the best of times it's it's not great flying over new zealand um and now you have to worry about um, COVID-19 too. So uh, if everything was perfect and you could just get in and out of New Zealand, then sure, I would consider that. But White said um, that he would not. um wants to let these people do it a couple times and see what, what happens. Um, and the quote was, let them do that for a while and see how it goes, see what happens, depending on what network you listen to, who the hell knows what's going on. At least if some of these guys in other countries who were hit before we were, they can see how this thing plays out, and we can go from there. So my question and, and what I found funny about all this was that um, early on, he was beating his chest and, and saying that the UFC was going to be the first um, organization back with crowds, and now um, maybe they could be a, one of one of the first organizations back with crowds if they were willing to give New Zealand a shot, and uh, he doesn't seem to be willing to do that, um, which seems kind of funny to me and kind of hypocritical as well. But I, uh, it might have some something to do with how New Zealand is running things to it, and it's not going to be well. We're open for business. Come on in. That's not how. Uh, that's not how New Zealand got its cases down to zero, and it's not going to be how it it's going to keep its cases at zero. If I can say something that's non UFC related, non MMA related, if you get the chance to go to New Zealand, do so. Um, it's well worth the trip. It's well worth the 20 hours of, of uh, flight time. If you, it, it, and once you get there and experience the country, you'll, you'll, you won't mind that flight. Um, get a, uh, get a seat with extra leg room. Um, and you'll be fine you're flying most of the flight is overnight anyway uh, so but yeah everything in New Zealand been there three times now great food great people uh great sightseeing spend a, a week or two just driving around just driving around the countryside it's fantastic so can't recommend uh, New Zealand um I can't give it any higher recommendation. I would uh, I'd, I'd be happy to move there and and live there and retire there. So that's your uh non-fight related tip for today. Well, it's another day to talk about Daniel Cormier's attitude towards fighter pay. So he was uh he spoke to Al Hawani on the, the the show they do together um and he offered some Thoughts, and I want to play a bunch of clips and talk about what uh, Cormier had to say. And here is the first part.
1: But the reality is this: like, hey, I want Jorge Masvidal to get his money. I do want him to get his money. All I'm saying is that there's just better ways to go about it. That's all I've said for weeks. Is that go talk about it directly, deal with it. You know that that's how I would do it. That's all I'm saying. But. Hey, look, don't listen to me, right? Don't listen to me. Like, I'm the guy, I'm only the guy that's gotten every single opportunity that I've ever really, like, tried to get or asked for. I've gotten paid fairly. I'm just that guy, right? So, like, don't listen to what I've done when my experiences obviously can't help when, in reality, they've all are, for the most part, been very good.
0: So, I don't like some of this. Um First of all, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here and guess that there's a 99.9 percent chance that these negotiations started in private and then went public after things fell apart. I don't see Jorge Masvidal and and his team just starting starting negotiations in the in the media. I don't think that that's how this happened. So for Cormier to to opine that. You know, keep it behind closed doors. Well, shit, man. That's where it started, and it didn't work out. And then the the holier than now attitude here gets, a, gets he lays it on a little thick here with the uh, the sarcasm about how he's gotten all of his opportunities, and you know he doesn't know why take his advice. Blah blah blah. Well, maybe he's maybe that's true, but then. You could also look at it as by playing nice, you didn't, you didn't get as much as you, you could have gotten. You left some on the table. And as we've seen, if you think you're doing the UFC a favor, there's a, there's a good chance that they're not going to repay that, um, or at least not repay it in equitable terms, in equal, in equal terms. They, um, why should they? They don't owe you anything. So, um, you're not an employee of theirs. Well, Cormier is now, but he always wasn't an employee of theirs. Um, so, why, why, why play nice? Why make deals that benefit them more than they benefit you in, in the hopes that you'll get yours in the end? Um, most people don't, don't get that. Look at, look at Tyron Woodley. He was making a half million as the champ. Um, and as soon as he lost the title, he was making two hundred thousand. So get get what you can, even if it's a struggle, because you don't know what's gonna happen in the end. Look at uh, look at Chuck Liddell. Look at uh, Matt Hughes. UFC said they were gonna have jobs for life, um, and sold the company those folks lost their jobs. So don't don't think about the UFC when you make deals. Think about you and uh yeah. Do what's best for you and and don't don't consider the UFC in this at all. UFC's going to be fine. They got money to pay you. We all know that. It's in the court documents.
1: Look, I'll tell you this about when I negotiated with the UFC for the first time, when I left Strike Force, I wanted more money. And I was in there with Lorenzo Fertitta and Dana White. I, what year was that when Force went? When we went? 2012? Yeah, they bought it in 2011. Going into 2012, you debuted in 2012. 13, when I was going to fight Rashad Evans right. at 205. It was when I was going to fight Rashad Evans. It was my third fight in the UFC. I was on my Strikeforce contract, so I was making decent money. I think I was making like, 60 and 60 or something. I thought that was pretty good back in the day. I thought I fought Roy Nelson for something like that. And in Strikeforce, I was making 15 grand. So 60 and 60 for me was crazy. But when I went to renegotiate my contract, I wanted 100 and 100. That's what I wanted to get paid out. I, I was like, man, if I can get to 100 and 100, I'm good. And uh, I was in the office. And when I told him what I wanted, they yelled at, like Dana yelled. He went crazy. He was mad. He was like, We can't pay. We don't know what you're gonna be. You know, we're not gonna pay a guy hundred and a hundred, and all this, right? And so um, I said, okay. I said, okay. And I was like, that's fine. I said, I'm gonna. uh," I said, okay. Then I'll just fight Rashad, and I'll be out of contract, and then we'll see what happens, right? And I was like, okay, I'm gonna leave. This is what I told him. Dana was on the phone. He wasn't there, but Lorenzo was there. And I got to be honest, I was willing, I was in the middle. I was okay with like 75 and 75, but I figured if I wanted a hundred and a hundred, ask for it, let's see what happens. But if I can get 75, 80 and 80, I'll be good. You know, that's $30,000 more than I was making. And uh, so I left, me and Bob left and Lorenzo at the door was like, we'll, we'll call you, you know, because Dana was going crazy. And that's when I was like, Hey man, this dude, you know, he's mad. I'm asking for this money. I get it. Anyways, by the time I got to the airport. Lorenzo called me and we came up with a, 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 a number that was fair to me. Mm. And that's what I made. Like, I was like, okay, that's fine. But it was like, I was like, okay, even though we didn't agree, I was like, okay, then I'll just fight it out and see what happens. And then they thought about it. They came back to a number. I think that was the beginning of when stuff started to kind of, because I didn't get 100 and 100, right? I didn't get what I was asking for, but I got what I, what I was okay with taking and I think it might've been 80 and 80 or something like that going up by like five or $10,000. So it didn't take me much longer to get to a uh, hundred and a hundred, but I was kind of willing to work a little bit on that side and they were willing to work with me. And that that's probably been the most contentious negotiation that we've had Wow. outside of that. Like, and that's really not that bad, is it? But I was like, okay, I was like, okay, you don't have to give it to me. I'll win the fight. And then we can talk about this whenever I'm done. our free agent and that was it. But that was essentially all it took. And but it was done behind closed doors. And that was in two thousand and twelve or two thousand and thirteen. And seven years later, I'm telling the story finally. But it's like that it really wasn't that bad.
0: All right. Well, this one's kind of easy to see. Um so you get in a room with Lorenzo Fertita, who has always been portrayed as the level headed um the level-headed voice of the UFC. And then on the phone, you have the other side, which is Dana White, um, acting like the uh, uh, the petulant child when you try and take his candy away. And there you are. So you're negotiating with, this is the good cop, bad cop act. I mean, come on. Can it, it, It's plain to see. So the number the UFC knows the number. It's Dana White's job to knock that number down. It's Lorenzo's job and and you can you can insert Hunter Campbell into this equation now. It's Lorenzo or Hunter Campbell's job to play the nice guy and make you feel like you got what you what you deserved or what you wanted because Dana White's freaking out like like a like a lunatic. And uh it's a game, it's a game. it's It's the oldest game in the book. It's the good cop, bad cop game. Um, and Cormier made his offer. Dana White freaked out. Lorenzo gave him the don't worry about it. we'll call you we'll call you. Um, UFC came back with a lower offer. Uh, I'm gonna assume it was higher than what Dana white had originally offered. Lower than what Cormier wanted, they and that's the negotiation that took place. He didn't get what he wanted, the UFC didn't give up what it didn't didn't want to give up, and Cormier lost. Back then, UFC the fighters didn't know how much revenue the the UFC was generating. They didn't know how much revenue the UFC was keeping keeping from the fighters now we know all that shit and so yeah you you, fighters have a little more uh a a little more leeway to go to go a little harder here you're giving me you're giving all the fighters between 15 and 20 percent of the revenue and keeping 80 percent no no that doesn't sit well you want more you deserve more you go harder to get more the numbers are out there now so the days of taking what the ufc offers you when you when you deserve more when you're a name that can generate millions of dollars those days are, are 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 gone you know you're getting shafted you have those numbers in front of you you put those numbers on the table and make the ufc explain why you're not worth more more than 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 peanuts to them why make them make them explain it and if they want to play hardball they play hardball but but if you have the uh if you can hold out for more more power to you that's what you need to do the numbers are out there now you know what everything is worth you have a pretty good idea of what people are getting paid and you know it's not what they're worth so fight for that get that Times have changed. Cormier is still stuck in the days when, 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 when they didn't know what, what, what the split was. We know that. We know that. Those days are over. And and fighters are are becoming aware of that, especially the bigger names, and and good for them.
1: Our show gets over at two o'clock Eastern. Right? This is when we're off. Yeah. 2.15, I get a text, DC, are you ready? You know, remember the uh, H saying, are you ready? I was like, yes, I'm ready, guys. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. And then they said, we're going to send over a contract. And I was like, no. I said, but what about money? Like, we have to negotiate. Like, my contract states, I'm going to make this amount. And they said, we're going to pay you like we, we were paying you before. Oh. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I'm going to get the same money I was getting as the heavyweight champion of the world. And they said, we're going to take care of everything. So I got the contract and I was like, oh, my God, I'm in. I was like, this happened so fast. It, it was like, it was amazing. It went from zero to 100. I don't know what happened. I don't know if the champ just got up and goes. It, Do you think going. they waited till we were done so that you wouldn't announce it on the show? I think maybe like the champ might have been like, it's a go. I'm ready. And so I was like, OK, I'm ready. I'm ready to go, too. If the champ says he's ready, I'm ready to go and I think that's what happened. Okay, maybe I lied to you and I knew already. <laughs> this was like that was the worst lie ever.
0: All right. Why I wanted to play this and, and comment on this is because this is this is why I think fighters need to to organize um get behind the Ali Act, uh, get a get a fighters association do something because This is uh, I don't like the way this sounds. So Cormier says here he's going to get paid the same as he did when he was champion. Now we have Tyron Woodley, who was champion and he was getting five hundred grand for for those fights. He loses his title, and his next fight he is getting paid two hundred grand. So obviously there's some built in uh, the champ gets more. Which is right? The champ should get more, five hundred thousand. Eh, no, the champion should get at least a million. But that's neither here nor there. Right now, not it's not pertinent to this discussion. Um, but so, in his next fight, then Woodley gets cut down to two hundred thousand. Now people are going to say no one's paying to see uh, a pay per view with Woodley. Man, that's while that might be true, that's really besides the point. Because the UFC has always told you get to the championships, and that's then that's where you're going to make your money. And um, if 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 one fighter gets five hundred as a champion, and then goes down to two hundred, then you would expect every fighter to follow that same kind of pattern. The championship money is five hundred, and the non championship money is is less than five hundred, but now you're coming over here. When, well, this guy, this guy, Daniel Cormier, we like him. He plays ball with us. So he's going to get 500 as champ. He's going to get 500 as as challenger. But, but Woodley, we don't like him. He, he argues with us. He makes our life difficult. He gets 500 as champ, but he only gets 200 when he loses the title. And this kind of favoritism, this is what causes rifts in the workplace. This is what causes unions to to form. Favoritism is one of the, the biggest reasons that, that people form unions. It's one of the, the biggest issues in the workplace. And and now you, you're, you're seeing it here. You're seeing it play out. Cormier gets a job doing broadcasting. He, he downplays um, other fighters' pay concerns. He's, he's, he's carrying water for the UFC. And, and, and he should because it's benefiting him ext- to, to the nth degree. But that, that, that needs to be removed from the equation. So this is another reason that, that the uh, fighters need to organize. Get this shit out of here. Make it fair to everyone. It, it should be much more structured... And the fighters should have much more say in these things. And favoritism needs to be erased. It just needs to be, it needs to be erased. And I'll, I'll be honest here. It also bothers me that the fighters get the broadcasting deals. That only certain, certain fighters that are still active get broadcasting deals. I don't think any active fighter should have a broadcasting deal. I, I think it's wrong. I think it's a conflict of interest. It it pits that fighter then against every other fighter when it comes to to pay. It causes friction, which Cormier has talked about and he talked about it in in the show today with Helwani. So it it uh it's it, I think that's a conflict of interest. I think that's again the UFC playing fighters off of each other. And I don't think that's good for anyone but the UFC. So yeah this doesn't uh, The fact that he's getting paid the same as champ As As, as a challenger as he did was He was champion Does not sit well with me at all And it should not sit well with Any other fighter who Was a champion and then got paid less That should be a sticking point And That should be a bargaining chip when When fighters lose Their titles going forward Write it down carried into the negotiations with you and ask why this guy gets something that I don't get okay we're right at the uh well we're not right at but we're closing with a half hour mark here we're uh gonna wrap it up for today and uh I'll be back tomorrow until then stay safe